Welcome to the Book of Mormon Evidence podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's supplemental study is a discussion of the introductory pages of the Book of Mormon. Lesson 1, Part 1 Okay, we'd like to welcome everybody to uh, our discussion group here. We're going to be talking about the Come Follow Me. This is uh, lesson number one, the introduction for this year of, of, of 2020. And uh, so basically we want everybody to have, uh, have read. We are assuming that you have already read your uh, uh, Come Follow Me manuals. And uh, this is to get additional information and insights that go along with and augment that information. And uh, so I've got some uh, some fantastic guests here with us today. We have uh, Brian Nelson, who uh, helps me with a lot of our different events and then kind of things and has uh, been tremendous uh, with uh, helping with Book of Mormon evidence and all of our uh, information there. And then we also have James and Hannah Stoddard. And uh, they are here also with, uh, with fantastic they do some of the best documentaries and things like that and uh, been doing some really important research we're excited about uh, talking also with uh, David Hawking he is joining us uh, via Skype on uh, on the uh, from Raleigh North Carolina and so we're glad to have him uh, David you want to say hi hi there <laughs> all right we'll make sure everybody everybody is here so uh, so so what we'd like to do here is that to go through um, information involving the additional information from the Book of Mormon. You know, so many times when we have a gospel doctrine class, we have a situation where uh, we want to go into more depth and detail, but we just don't have as much time to do that. So what we'd like to do for you is to actually be able to share additional insights that hopefully will, you'll gain additional knowledge and, and understanding as far as, um, you know, you're, you're reading the Book of Mormon. Our goal is to help everybody get more excited about the Book of Mormon than ever before. This is a Book of Mormon year coming up. We're very excited about that. And, uh, and also to help the scriptures come alive with additional information. So we want to start off actually our uh, discussion here tonight uh, talking a little bit about uh, what do you expect to get from the Book of Mormon this year? What kind of things do you uh, hope to get out of the Book of Mormon? And uh, I know that when it comes down to that, Usually, you kind of tend to get what you expect. <laughs> so, so uh, if you don't expect a whole lot, you're probably not going to get a whole lot. I want to have everybody be expecting to have just minds blown with the Book of Mormon information that they're going to be able to get this year, and be able to have the Book of Mormon become really a, a, a foundational part in your life. And so that's what we're uh, going to be shooting for. And so, uh, kind of throw it out to uh, you guys. What do you? Uh, what well, do you, you know, expect I, to get I've the been book watching uh, the prophets a lot lately. Uh, President Monson, of course, and President Nelson, but President Hinckley too. I mean, all of the prophets have emphasized Book of Mormon so much that, mm -hmm. and it's almost like we don't, we're not getting them. We're not understanding that they really want us to read and love and and grab the Book of Mormon. Right. But I'm trying to do that now. I'm trying to really love it so much that I can't get enough of it. And that's hard, but it, it's not when you're excited about it. The right. Book of Mormon excites me. 
Right. I, I want to just add to that. I think one of the keys is you got to make the Book of Mormon real, right? If you just read it as like, oh, this is a fun story and this gave me some warm and fuzzies, you know, it's that's all it's going to be for you and it's never really going to make an impact whether whereas if you look and i think that's one of the reasons we're losing a lot of the youth today is because they see oh this is just some nice stories i learned in primary right but if we can show them no the book of mormon is real you can use it applied to real life pull in the news pull in current events pull in your family issues pull in your education your career every aspect of your life the actual nuts and bolts the science and say okay the book of mormon addresses that and the book of mormon speaks to that so let's talk about real issues let's not just talk about some fun crafts and something to make us all feel good and put memes on facebook right but let's actually like talk about like okay how can this actually be real and apply this to our real life right and i would just say i think for me the important thing is how is this going to change me to be a better person because at the end of the day i mean we can spend so many years in school and we can do all these things, but how is this gonna help me be better and live better and help my family be more wholesome and pure and holy? Yeah. David, what do you think? What, what, are, you, what are you hoping to, or what are you expecting to get from the, uh, our study of the Book of Mormon this year? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, has appealed to me about the Book of Mormon is the, uh, is the fact that it, it came from somebody that was unschooled, and yet um, we have this text that's been studied and studied and regurgitated by so many different academics, and they want to know where it came from, how did Joseph Smith do this, and so forth, and yet we still have this book, and it's called the Book of Mormon, and we it is our foundational scripture. It is what created the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So anything that we can do to study the text, what the, the meaning of it, why it's here, why we need to read it, is why we're here to discuss that. Exactly. Well, what we're going to be doing, just uh, for those of you who are, are watching this on the uh, on the vidcast or, the, or hearing it on the podcast, uh, what we're going to be doing is actually we have have a uh, the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon, um, which we're going to be using kind of as a, a bit of a text, if you will. Um, many we have a lot of people who have that and I uh, would like to encourage you to go ahead and use that that's the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon if you want to, if you haven't seen that before um, and uh, and so we, to start off with I want to talk a little bit about the introduction uh, page of the Book of Mormon so as we as we go through that basically who was the introduction even done by was it was the Book of Mormon part of the gold plates yeah. No, it wasn't actually part of the gold plates. So where did it come from? It actually was added later on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the introduction is an, an important part. Is the introduction part considered to be scripture? Other than probably the words <laughs> of Joseph Smith and his testimony, which I think <laughs> we can all agree, at least from DNC 20 and DNC 5. Uh -huh. But Yeah, because actually it's interesting because the, the, uh, the introduction page actually was changed um, back in uh, 2007. Mm -hmm. Okay, in the, in, in the introduction, it actually talks about um, there, there was two different groups of people, group known as the Jaredites and so forth, and it says that they were the principal ancestors of the American Indians. But that was actually changed in 2007 um, to change that from being the principal ancestors of the American Indians to among the ancestors of the American Indians. So the introduction page isn't necessarily, it wasn't part of the original gold plates, um, it was written later as an explanation. So which part of, the, in, of the, the introductory portions of the Book of Mormon actually came from the gold plates? 
And that would be the title page. And in the title page, it, it tells us some very important things here. So I'm going to open up this um, to the, the, the title page here, the title page of the Book of Mormon. It talks about it being an abridgment of two records. And the two records are basically the abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and an abridgment of the, of the Book of Ether. Now, uh, so a couple of things about that, that the, you know, this being an abridgment here. Who was it written to? To the Lamanites, who are a remnant of the house of Israel, and also the Jew and Gentile. Mm -hmm. So we know it was written specifically to them. Yeah, and, and also one part that people miss is down there in the bottom. It says, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers. So in other mm -hmm. words, this was a record that was written by these Nephite prophets for their ancestors in the last days. Yeah, so Just it wasn't right written there. to them, obviously. It was written right. specifically for us. He took all of the records that they had compiled right. over the course of centuries mm -hmm. and then, then basically had to take all those and abridge it into this, this redacted version that we end up with today. So it's a, it's a com compilation of all of this Mm -hmm. uh, previous history. Well, and think about who the, to our their fathers. Their fathers. You know, who were their fathers? Well, who were our fathers? How far does fathers go back? You know, fathers is is a very very important question. As they, it was written to my fathers, to your fathers, to our fathers. It's it's to us today. We well, need to, mm -hmm. yeah, and written by our fathers, the Nephi prophets, is what it's saying. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that, so just a little bit of more background I think would be important about this title page. Because the title page of the Book of Mormon, um, specifically, and this is what Joseph Smith said, this is uh, from page uh, basically 27 in the Annotated Book of Mormon. It says, the, uh, the, the Prophet Joseph Smith explained, I wish also to mention here that the title page of the Book of Mormon is a literal translation taken from the very last leaf on the left side of the collection of book or plates which contain the record which has been translated, and not by any means the language of the whole running same as all Hebrew writing in general. And that said, said title page is not by any means um, a modern composition, either of mine or any other man's who has lived or does live in this generation. Therefore, in order to correct an error which generally exists concerning it, I give below that part of the title page of the English version of the Book of Mormon, which is a genuine and literal translation of the title page of the original Book of Mormon as recorded on the plates. That's from the Joseph Smith Papers um, project. And you can, again, you can read that at the bottom here. What do you think that, what, what's your thoughts about that? When it says the original Book of Mormon, what are we talking about here? You have some thoughts. Well, there's a lot of discussion. Here is, Go ahead. Go ahead, David. I was going to say, right from the very beginning, it says, uh, wherefore it is an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and also Lamanites. The term abridgment is an important term because the, right at the very title it says, this is the Book of Mormon and written by the hand of Mormon upon the plagues taken from the plagues of Nephi. That in itself is saying that Mormon is the editor of this book and therefore it's an abridgment of those plagues that we would normally call the large plagues of Nephi. The small plates of Nephi are not is not an abridgment. They are first person. I Nephi, I Jacob, I Omni, 
these are not abridgments at all, and the hand of Mormon is not found on those small plates. So the original Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith is referring to is the book that was found in the stone box. That's the uh, plates that were done by Mormon, uh, called it by the hand of Mormon, taken upon plates that he used from the large plates, which is the history of the, of the Nephites. Exactly. I think like you're saying, it's important to recognize this as an abridgment. I think it's easy sometimes to think, oh, we have the history of the Nephites. We don't have the history of the Nephites. We have this teeny, 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 <laughs> teeny, teeny piece, right? And that's all the way through the Book of Mormon. He's like, I can't tell you a hundredth part. I can't tell you a hundredth part. I can't tell you a hundredth part. So why is Mormon putting this in the Book of Mormon? I think if we approach the Book of Mormon with that attitude, saying why would he include this detail? Why do I need to know mm -hmm. what the Nephite monetary system was? Why do I need to know why there's all this instruction of Alma talking to his sons? Why do I need to know about Coriantins and Morel? Like, why do I need this specifically in the Book of Mormon? Because there's a reason. Because Mormon very well could yeah. have left that out. Well, that's one of the things yeah. that really struck me when you came out with the, your first uh, video, with your mm -hmm. first DVD. It's called the um, For Our Day Covenant on the Land. Right. That video, basically, for the first time, I came to an understanding or realization that here you have, you have the prophet Mormon, mm -hmm. and he says in his own in his own book in the in the Book of Mormon, he he says that Jesus Christ has shown you unto me, and I know you're doing. Right. And he, so he is seeing all of this in advance. Mm -hmm. So he has that new perspective. He's seen the future, so as he's going through the record, he literally is pulling the parts and pieces that are specifically going to be needed for us mm -hmm. in this latter days. Mm -hmm. And so all the other stuff, all the fluff that was in there, all the other things that were not pertinent to exactly his mission, which is to take their history and basically lay it out so that we can understand in our day what's, what's happening in our day. And for the first time I realized, you know, I mean, I can, I can see... Mormon literally, you know, working on this thing, and as he's going through, he's got this, a stack of plates there, you know, he's basically right. going, you know, uh, okay, gosh, I gotta, I gotta somehow, I gotta, I gotta whittle this down a little bit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets to a part, and the Lord basically says, this part right here, they're gonna need that in the latter days. So right. put that in here. And I think that's the reason why you have sections where like whole huge chunks of time are just gone through just within a few, a few short sentences or a few verses. And then there's these really specific areas where it goes into all this detail because Mormon is literally being guided by the Lord himself, I believe, as he's doing this so that what we end up with is exactly what we need. And like you said, Hannah, it's a very small tip of everything that's in there. Can you imagine? a room full of records that's so big, you know, just say it's 15 by 15 feet, how many records would be in there? And why did he choose this and this and this? Well, he said, forgive me for you know, my language. I mean, I'm the Lord's correct, but I'm not. Well, what about all the times that he put things in there that we're just looking at and overlooking and saying, well, that's not really important. That's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, when really that is the part we're supposed to really get. We're supposed to understand that through the Spirit. So right. when we read the Book of Mormon, it has to be through the Spirit, not just through what the words are. Right. right. Yeah. I, I was just going to say a specific example would be all the war chapters, right? Because I've heard some people yeah. be like, well, Mormon was a military general, so he's kind of biased, so he sticks all of this in. Like, no, okay. <laughs> that Mormon is the man. Let, let's not forget the Book of Mormon. Like, you have this excellent example. Two-thirds 
of the Book of Mormon that Mormon abridged, we don't even have. Yeah. And that's the, those are the scriptures for the millennium. So when Zion is built and we're all righteous and there's peace on the earth, Mormon is the one that put those scriptures together. The scriptures yeah, but that's two-thirds that we don't have. Right. right. That we're not that even sealed. righteous enough to have. Yeah. That's who Mormon is. He's a man who was ready to lead, oh. like produce the scriptures for the millennium. So, yeah. so he knew so what he was doing is right. what you're saying. Right. Exactly. And, and add one, yeah. I was going to say one more thing that we could uh, add to this too is that the original book that Joseph Smith is referring to is the uh, book of Lehi. So if we if if the book of Lehi was never lost, which were on the 116 pages, we would have what we call the Book of Mormon. But now Joseph Smith is referring to that as being the original, meaning that if we had uh, if we had that book, we would never have had the small plates of Nephi, at least at least uh, in the original form, uh, because the plates were lost the small plates were there as a backup, if you want to call it, and that's why we read in the Doctrine and Covenants section 9, section 10, and also in the original 1830 edition, when it was published in Palmyra, Joseph Smith mentions why it is that the Lord will not be frustrated and that he had a, a wise purpose for those small plates. And even Mormon, in his words of Mormon, refers to those plates as being, I'm going to give them to my son Moroni for a wise purpose. Isn't it interesting that had Martin Harris not begged Joseph Smith to beg the Lord, you know, to, to, so to get this, <laughs> we, you know, we would have ended up with the, with the less spiritual part, which, which Nephi said that he put the, the, the more, the more uh, secular account basically on the large plates and the more spiritual part of it on the small plates, and we ended up, because of that... Spiritual. Martin Harris and 116 pages being lost, we ended up getting the yeah. the, the small well, plates of Nephi, the spiritual accounts. Yeah. There's one there's that and that's one way to look at it. Now another way to look at it is <laughs> we so Hannah and I spent many years studying through the history of the Book of Mormon and paralleling the entire history down onto the Latter-day Signs of the Times or the latter yes. days. And so in that, so in other words, what we're saying is we took the entire history of the Book of Mormon and we looked at all the Latter-day Signs of the Times, all the Latter-day history that really matters, the parts of it that the prophets have brought out and said, this is really important. And then we laid the two on top of each other. Yeah. And what we came up with is that not only was Mormon picking out pieces that we needed to know, but he put it in the right chronological order and he foreshadowed or foretold or, I don't know, prophesied our day with his history that he put together, which is, you know, it's mind boggling that he could do that and that the Lord set the Nephite history up to parallel our day so we could know that. Now, one of the things we came across is once you head into Mormon's abridgment, those parallels are so easy to see. Like for instance, Alma sets up the church. Joseph Smith sets up the church. For instance, the, the, the Nephites established this land, this government of freedom. Okay, mm -hmm. America, there's a government of freedom. In the Book of Mormon, there's secret combinations. The secret combination parallel our day, and it's not only that there's that parallel, but they're in the right 
chronological order. So you've got all these things going on. In fact, you get down and there's all these destructions at the time right before Christ comes, just like is prophesied to happen in our day. Then exactly. in the then you have this period of peace, and, and I won't go on and on because you could do this all night, but <laughs> you have this period of peace that every phrase during 4th Nephi and the end of 3rd Nephi is a prophecy of the millennium. You can take every phrase. So you've got this going on. He's putting this whole history together. Now, that doesn't work very well with the smaller plates. It's still there. Because but Mormon abridged his specifically for us. Nephite didn't. So yes. Mormon's history parallels our day perfectly and beautifully, whereas the small plates don't do that so well. It's still there. It's just harder to see. And in so, our day today, we'd be around the middle of Helaman, wouldn't we? Somewhere right. around there. Right. You, you, and that. you can sit there With and the it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun family thing is to look in there right. and figure out what, where are we and what's going on and what should we be looking for. But, but I, I think it is important that we understand what, we, what would be the best is if we had both. Like yeah. we lost you never a great deal, from losing scripture. Right. right? We lost so. a great deal when we lost his abridgment. So if anybody knows part. where the 116 pages are, please yeah, let us will know. You let us know, because yeah. <laughs> well, the real so 116 pages. Yeah. Great right. Day. Okay. Well, we, we, well, we're gonna, we're going to get a yeah. lot more into that in our discussion here yeah. uh, today. So, so, uh, but I wanted to also uh, a couple of things. You know, we talked about the the, uh, the plates. Obviously, these are not real gold. They're That'd be too, way too heavy. But this is a replica, basically, of based on what we know, what the plates were like that came out of the stone box. And I wanted to have a little bit of a discussion because there's, there's been a lot of confusion about what exactly was in the stone box that, uh, that when, 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 uh, Nephi, when, you know, uh, when Moroni put the things in there and so forth, and, uh, then Joseph Smith gets, gets them out. And in his history, he tells us the things that were in the stone box. So what, what was in there? there? Obviously, there was the plates was in there. What else was in there? So, so, the, so the plates were in there, and then we also had the breastplate okay. and the Urim and Thummim. And the Urim and Thummim is? the two spectacles right. that would attach to the breastplate. You could call it all a Urim and Thummim, or mm -hmm. you could call it the spectacles with the breastplate. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could right. put them together, but we know those were in there. Or you call, call them the interpreters too, or call them the Nephite interpreters, or right. the interpreters right. that exactly. uh, that were used to translate the Book of Ether, or the twenty-four, let's say the twenty-four plates that Blimon had to translate. Well, and you know the interesting thing is in the Book of Ether, it talks about Ether three, that the brother of Jared had the Lord touch eighteen stones, not sixteen. He touched one for each of the boats, right front and back of the boats. But then he goes in verse, I think it's five or six, a little later, he touched two additional stones and was told to seal those up with the record, which are the two seer stones that are going together, meaning the spectacles of Urim and Thummim. We're, we're not talking about a seer stone as an individual stone. They're, we've got seer stones that the brother mm -hmm. of Jared had so, the Lord touch to put in the burial stone Place so, so, so that Joseph could have them. So why? So so seer stones is the way that people are terming those stones. Yeah. But it's interesting that Joseph Smith and the early leaders and the early brethren. There's no there is no account in our history where they're called seer stones. 
They're called right. the Urim and Thummim. Called the Urim and Thummim. And they're also called it also tells the interpreters. That they, that, they, that they were clear. Yes, and they yes. were clear. They, they weren't opaque. We know yes. that. Okay, so so that we're going we're gonna to cover yeah. that in a little yeah. bit more. But uh, okay, but what about this? The Leahona. I mean, wasn't that that's in a, the stone box? That's pretty, no, it was not. All right. Not that we know that, of. No, there, was, there was no mention of the Leahona being in the stone box. And there's something else that's really important. And so I brought a little... Uh, a little uh, thing here, so so you can take, kind of see this. There are some who who have said, well, that Laban's sword was also in the stone box. So here's the, here's a replica here. If we don't we don't know exactly what the stone what it's his what it looked, but it's big enough probably, right? <laughs> okay, that the the the, uh, the blade was of fine steel and the hilt thereof was of uh, pure gold, right? Um, was that in the stone box? Well, put that next to these here. And double put one, two, three, four, five of those yeah. sets of plates before you read. I mean, how could that fit in that stone box? I think one of the important keys is if you notice the plates are in the box, the Urim and Thummim's in the box, the breastplate's mm -hmm. in the box. Those are all the tools of translation. That's, That's right. There was nothing in there that was just for fun, right? Yeah, These weren't toys. This didn't have anything to do with this translation. This wasn't for Joseph Smith's museum exhibit, right? Or just yeah. for fun. These were Mormon, Mor Moroni, sorry, set this up. The, this is what he used to produce the Book of Mormon manuscript we have today. And we yeah. need to recognize that. They weren't just these extra little And it connected things. with the Jaredites. Mm -hmm. The Jaredites to the Nephites the to right. us. Right. That's important. And same the same translator. Yeah. So, same. The, but, the, but the point of this is basically there are those who, taught, who, who said, well, the sword was in there and so forth. Well, no, the sword was not there. There was no mention of the sword. There was no mention of the, of, of the, um, the Liahona. Just the interpreters, the plates. And it does mention two other rocks that were on the bottom that the plates were sitting on top of. Right. Probably in case there was any well, moisture or something like stones. that. Yeah. yeah. And, it was, and it was all <laughs> cemented together. What's that, David? I was going to bring up on the uh, Joseph Smith's own testimony. Uh, this would be on, in the annotated edition book. It's on uh, uh, Roman numeral XV, which is 25, uh, I mean 15. He says, also there were two stones and silver bows, and these stones fastened to a breastplate constituted what's called the Urim and Thummim, right. deposited with the plates, and the possession and the use of these stones were what constituted seers in the ancient Reformed times, and that God had prepared them for the purpose of translating the book. And I think that that is, needs to be underscored and underlined, that that's why they were in that stone box, and they were especially used for the purpose of translating the record. So where, where did the Urim and Thummim even come from? So we, so we do know that the, the Urim and Thummim was the very Urim and Thummim used by Mosiah, mm -hmm. and that it was sealed up. So well, what it was probably sealed up somewhere. Then, then somehow Mosiah got a hold of uh -huh. that Urim and Thummim. Because we know the ether, and and That's I right. that, like um, I liked how David said we got to underline and underscore that the the, the Urim and Thummim was not just a Urim and Thummim just for whatever. It was specifically prepared for translating languages. Yeah. It was a tool for that. And so it exactly. wasn't just a, yeah, so I think that's important. You see that in ether. Well, they, they in fact, they said, we sealed up with it the interpretation. Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, the way to interpret it was sealed up with the place. That's mm -hmm. the words in the Revelation. And you know, right. in the Book of Mormon itself, nowhere does it say Urim and Thummim. 
it only says Nephite interpreters. It never right. says the word Jerem and Thummim. Right. Jerem and so, Thummim is a biblical term. That's right. That's a biblical that's right. term. Mm -hmm. Where Nephite interpreters is a Book of Mormon term. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't separate them by saying a stone or something over here or a couple little rocks here. It says the Nephite interpreters. Right. Well, yeah. what's it interpreting? A language with, by the gift and power of God through the prophet Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And I think that term is important, interpreters. And we're going right. to show this later. But Joseph Smith was actually teaching... And probably in the School of Prophets, Book of Mormon characters, and the terms he was teaching was the interpreters. So that just tells me right there, yeah. like he didn't pick Nephi yeah. or Sam or, you know, he. Th there's something about that that's very important. One of the one things I wanted to point out is that basically the, the interpreters weren't made by either, mm -hmm. as far as we right. know. Right. He received them. Right. And so, so somewhere these interpreters came into being, mm -hmm. and as I understand it, it was basically from the Lord. Right. Somehow the Lord had someone yeah. put them together. My guess is, is that would have been the brother of Jared. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then that, then the Lord made sure that throughout the entire Jaredite history, all right. the way until they extinguished right. themselves, mm -hmm. and then he made sure that they got it to the Nephite leadership that was basically was going to be in charge of, of, of handing down their records, mm -hmm. Right. And all the way down to the point where he makes sure that Mormon and Moroni seals up those interpreters in the record with the, with yeah, the abridgment right. yeah. of, of that's going on here. And so this is really important. Right. And imagine being Joseph Smith where you're, he's not just using the Yerman Thummim, he's actually using an artifact that connects him back to the Jaredites and back to the Nephites right. and even possibly into biblical times because we know the Urim and Thummim is discussed in the Bible, whether that's the same Urim and Thummim or a different one, whatever it is, he's doing something that's not new. And I think that can be important for biblical Christians or people who aren't even members recognizing there's nothing weird about Joseph Smith using a Urim and Thummim. There's nothing weird about this. This is a legacy that's been passed on from ancient prophets. And when right. Lucy Mack Smith was able to touch and feel the breastplate through the linen cloth. Uh, she said it's an extremely for an extremely large man, and then one somebody else said that the spectacles were so large that it, you could only use one eye to really look through them. So these must have been some amazing glasses, so to speak, from the great Jaredite traditions yeah. of sealed right. up <laughs> importance to come to yeah. our day. So, yeah. so good. And another part is in Doctrine and Covenants section 17, the Lord specifically is talking about how there's going to be these witnesses of the plates. And with those witnesses, it's very clear in there, those witnesses are not only to testify of the plates, but they are also to testify that they have seen the Urim and Thummim as well. Interpreters. Now, yeah. it's super interesting that that they're commanded to testify of the Urim and Thummim. Why are they commanded to testify of the Urim and Thummim? That's a really good question. Yeah, it is, so, and we're going to address that a little bit more as we go along here a little bit further. I just want to make one, one point clear. The reason why I brought up about what was in the stone box also was the small plates of Nephi in the stone box. No. That's not what it says. It, 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 it actually, you're right. It never says anything about the small plates of Nephi being inside of the box when when Joseph Smith received the records so from the, from the from the, the hill Camorra. Of where were they then? Yeah. So so how did so you know so how did right. they right. And end so, up? 
with Joseph Smith having the having the small plates of Nephi, and uh, and and we're going to have a, a more a more in depth discussion about that when we have Jonathan Neville on, um, but uh, but that's going to be in a, in a future um, vidcast or podcast. So uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But right. bottom line is is that there there is now overwhelming evidence. We'll have Jonathan Neville tell us about that. But actually, there was two different sets of plates. There was the plates that, that, that ended up in the stone box, which were the abridgment that was put together by Mormon and his, well, by Moroni and his father, Mormon, okay. Um, Joe Smith had those, but then when they lost 116 pages, when Martin Harris lost 116 pages, then the Lord said, well, then just go ahead and do the, the small plates of Nephi. But the small plates of Nephi are never mentioned by Moroni when he sealed up the the, the stone box, it wasn't in there. So could they right. have been the same so, place that the Liahona and the Sword of Laban were in? And where which was is that? the cave at Camorra that Brigham the, Young spoke right. of. The repository of records, which is what they were using even, and, and this is another interesting aspect of it, is that uh, Mormon basically said, you know, I've been working on this abridgment now for a while. He says, and then I searched the records and I found the small plates of Nephi. So he didn't, Right. No, that apparently so, he didn't know where they were yeah. at at first. Now, if, if the, the small plates of Nephi, if you think just logi logistically here, you think that if Nephi made a set of plates, what's the chances he would use the exact same hole pattern that Mormon later would use, you know, a thousand, a thousand years, years later, later, you know, yeah. and, and, and maybe we don't even know if the plate, small plates of Nephi had even necessarily, you know, rings or if they had holes or were they just a, a collection of plates that were kind of wrapped together somehow, we don't know. But the bottom line is, is that uh, the, the small plates of Nephi was something that was not originally with this. This had to be brought from someplace. Right. And that and so, place was, he said, Mormon said, I will put them with mine other records. Now to clarify too, I, I just want to clarify too, because yeah. this is a new, this is a new <laughs> story, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so back when I was so many years ago teaching seminary, and we were teaching this, what we taught then was that Mormon pulled out the small plates and that he copied those onto the record for some reason. So that's the other story. Yeah. That's the traditional story mm -hmm. that we've been mm -hmm. told or taught or whatever. And this is a, but nobody a different teaches story. That today, do they? No one teaches that yeah. that I'm aware of right. now. Right. I don't know right. what we teach. And I think you're going to find it's, pretty, it's very, very right. fascinating information about this uh, two sets of yes. plates because it also goes into a little bit about the, the three and the eight witnesses. You know, there's actually been, uh, you know, people who are uh, against our faith, <laughs> basically, who've said, well, you know, the, the, the three witnesses described the plates as basically being about, you know, six inches by six inches by eight inches, which is about what this is right here. But others, other accounts from the from the eight witnesses talked about the plates that they were shown were a little bit, they had different dimensions. And they're like, well, and there's no mention of those two thirds of them being sealed by the eight witnesses. Maybe they actually were seeing two different sets of plates. The first three witnesses were seeing the first set of plates. The eight witnesses were seeing the second plate, basically the, the small plates of Nephi. And by the way, that's in whatever happened to the gold plates. Yeah. by Jonathan Neville. We have a lot of resource material here yeah. that you can get at bookofmormonevidence.org in yes. our bookstore that is just going to help you so much in understanding 
all the materials yeah. of the Book of Mormon. And we just want you to know about the different different uh, resources that are available for you to be able to learn more, because we can only cover just a just a tiny portion of the things that we really would love to cover in these uh, in these in these present in these uh, lessons here. Can I just add one yes, other please. thing? Um, just you kind of hinted at the Hill Cumorah Cave. You kind of hinted at the, this idea of other plates and records, and I just wanted to throw in with that again with the concept that the Book of Mormon that we have is so important being written for us. Um, this is something that people might be interested in. Um, a, a lot of people don't know that Joseph Smith's Patriarchal Blessings are actually available online. A lot of people don't know they can actually pull up Joseph Smith's Patriarchal Blessings and read them. And I would highly encourage you to by do so. By his father. There's one by his father and there's one by Oliver Cowdery. I'm in a competition of which oh. one I like better. <laughs> I like them all. No, but I, I say that in a tongue-in-cheek, of course, yeah. but because they are so amazing. They yeah. talk about things that he will do yet in the future. They talk about leading armies and natural disasters. But there's a part in, I think, the one that Oliver Cowdery gave him where he talks about um, that Joseph Smith in the future will be given Nephites, uh, Nephite records, in addition to the ones Mormon had, and that he will translate those, and that he will bring those forth to his people, wow. which would be us wow. in the last days. Which continues Joseph Smith being right. part of this earth yeah. today, right. part right. of what we're doing. He has a very essential yeah. role. So it talks about the records of past ages and ancient days he's going to bring forth. Even the record of the Nephites shall he again obtain with all those hit up by Mormon and others who are righteous and many others. So that wow. just goes back to this idea in this Hilkamara cave. There's wagon loads and wagon loads of records in there that we don't even know where they came from. Ne Joseph Smith will be given those till he is overwhelmed with knowledge. It says, no precious thing shall slumber from his possession, for he shall be covered with the most choice of all ages till his soul shall be satisfied and his heart shall say, enough, enough. <laughs> and there's nobody today saying enough is enough. We've got this right. Everybody's saying, yeah. I can't get I can through handle. that. That's all I can okay. do. <laughs> and we're, right. we can have at all. I mean, isn't that amazing? So I to want think people about to recognize there right. is so much more. And I think that's one of the reasons it, in the Doctrine and Covenants the Lord says we're under condemnation for not taking mm -hmm. this teeny And part of that, that also is the brass plates. Yes. The brass plates are prophesied that yep. they're going to come forth eventually. Mm -hmm. And they are the record of the Josephites, and that's a whole other discussion. Mm -hmm. Wow. And those were in the Hilkamora, which is another reason why I think it's important that we know where the Hilkamora actually is. Yeah. It's not this fable and who knows where it is and there's 10 Hilkamoras or there's two or whatever, right? <laughs> no, there's yeah. a Hilkamora. There it's in lot. Western New York. And there were all of these things that were deposited there by Mormon and as Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessing says, many others. So I'm just going to throw out, if people are having trouble finding them, they can go to ldsanswers.org, and it's like right on the homepage. They can just yeah. click on Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessings and read them. I would definitely that's do great. that. Yeah, so if you get a chance to do that, that's a fantastic idea. Actually, I'd like to make a couple of comments here, too, and that yeah, is yeah. Uh, as we go forward in, uh, in future uh, uh, presentations that we make, um, we'll talk about the timeline on the translation. So there is a um, critical piece of information on why we have Section 9 and Section 10 of the Doctrine and Covenants, because uh, they, when they get the uh, plates back, when the 116 pages are lost, and now they get to translate this, Oliver and Joseph, uh, they don't start at I Nephi. They they um, they pick up what we call in, in uh, Mosiah, but even Mosiah is not complete. So as we go forward, we're going to go into the details and the timeline of the translation, 
and uh, and also the uh, the process of why the Lord uh, we have those revelations in DNC nine and ten. Yeah, very good. Okay, what I'd like to do is like shift gears for a little bit and uh, and let's talk about the purposes of the Book of Mormon. Is there just one purpose? Is there numerous purposes? And what are some of those purposes? Now, I think everybody who's been uh, involved with the church and, uh, and so forth for years have, have probably heard the, uh, the, the typical or the general answer of what is the purpose of the Book of Mormon is to testify of whom? Christ. Of Christ, right? And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that, and that is clearly, that's, that's, that's a part of it. Um, and that's when did they change this to be another testament of Jesus Christ? Was that 10 years ago? How long ago was that? Because it, it was always just the Book of Mormon, but now it's yeah. another testament. Of Jesus Christ, yeah. And that's important that we realize, but you had something else. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so one of the things that uh, we want to make sure that uh, people who are maybe not necessarily of our faith may be watching uh, this vidcast and the, or the hearing the podcast, and uh, so we want to let make, make everybody know for sure okay, that when it comes down to it, we uh, believe in Christ, we, uh, you know, we, we love him, we, uh, we adore him, we want to follow him. Um, one of the things that I, I just love is uh, really good images. It helps me in my mind to be able to, you know, when I, as I'm praying and so forth, to kind of picture in my mind a little bit. And uh, so I wanted to, to bring out, there's a couple of pieces of artwork that we had actually done specifically for the Annotated Book of Mormon. I wanted to have Ryan uh, grab that, uh, that this is the, the original. This is on the, one of the very first pages of the uh, Annotated Book of Mormon. And it's called the Holy One of Israel. And I'm not sure where we could, where's the best place to put this right there? There we go. <laughs> okay. Now you can see that's that. That's by Ken Corbett, who is amazing. Go to KenCorbettArt.com. This is an original, and he's just a wonderful artist that you would love to look at all of his art. So this is an original that's in my home, one that I love very much. Okay, hopefully, hopefully you can hear that because uh, he's not mic'd up right there. That's an absolutely beautiful one. But one of my personal favorite ones is, um, while you're up, you can grab that one right there. And this is one that I didn't, I, I, I've seen it before, but I didn't know for sure who the artist was. So just about, a, not even a month ago, I actually uh, was able to find out uh, who did this particular painting. And so I don't know if you can see this here, but uh, this is uh, Brent um, Barup, B-U-R-U-P. I just love this image of Christ. And uh, so hopefully, you know, if, if uh, um, you get a chance to check this out. He actually has a, a, a wonderful calendar out as well and so forth, but that's one of my very favorite pictures of, of uh, or paintings of Christ. This is, a little, this is this, his, his calendar here, it's called Come Unto Jesus there. Just got some really beautiful uh, works of Christ there. So anyway, so just a little bit about that. That's, that's from the uh, Book of Mormon. But as we think about that, so to testify of Jesus Christ is one of the main purposes of the Book of Mormon here. Um, what are some so, of the other... So can I key off of that? Yes, so, please. So you were mentioning, you know, the famous scripture in 2 Nephi 25-26, right? Where it says, we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies. And then we always read that part that says, that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. Now, very interestingly, if we put this 
that children who are those children, I just want to mention this quickly and we can go into this maybe later, but in 2 Nephi 25, Nephi is talking, he says, I speak particularly and I confine the words unto mine own people, for I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days and that they'll understand them. When Nephi says that our children may know, he wasn't just talking about his kids that he had right there maybe in front of him when he was alive. Mm -hmm. He's talking about his descendants in the last days. And one of the things that we were just talking about before we started this was Nephite's descendants in the last days, he talks about them over and over and over through the Book of Mormon, that he is compiling this Book of Mormon for his children. He so much wants his children in the last days, these many generations that he saw in vision. He, he looks mm -hmm. down through time and he sees his children and he says, I want my children in the last days to know about Jesus Christ. So are you saying that not all the Nephites were killed? Right. In the final battles? So, <laughs> so, so that's, what we, we will, that's what we need to talk about. And that's just a I teaser, that's a, right? That's yeah. a perfect segue to your yeah. CC3 there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So... So uh, now, now, although that is the, uh, the, the kind of the general answer that people have heard is that, you know, that the main purpose of the Book of Mormon is to testify of Christ, did you know that that isn't actually the primary purpose that the Lord gave to Joseph Smith in Revelation? So if you want to turn with us to, uh, to section three of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is a revelation given to Joseph Smith at, Pal at Harmony, Pennsylvania in July of 1828. And in verse 15... Before you read the verse, yes, do you mind ahead. if I give just a little bit background on yeah, this section? Please, yes. So this is the section that's given to Joseph Smith after he's lost the plates and the Urim and Thummim because the 116 pages were lost, right? Right, Martin Harris is begging him, let me take the pages, let me take the pages, finally, mm -hmm. right? The Lord's like, okay. <laughs> Martin Harris loses them, and as a result, Joseph Smith loses the Urim and Thummim and the plates. So I want you to imagine, just put yourself in Joseph Smith's shoes for a moment, what he's going through. Yeah. Like, he's, is he damned forever? Like, has he basically lost, blown lost it? Lost opportunity. Lost to bring forth soul. a marvelous work right. and a wonder in the last right. days. Right, and it's going to be given to so Like, that's, Joseph Smith is going through hell, hell. right? Yeah. yeah. And do yeah. we know about how long he went without the Urim and Thummim? Yes, yes, and that's actually all in our book. There's a lot of details yeah. in terms of, like, when the angel told him he could get it back and when he actually got it. Right. Anyways, yeah. so... That's a whole nother discussion there. But he did, he did get it back for sure. But this is before he gets it back. So the Lord, at the beginning of the section, he's really up front, right? Yeah. He's like, okay, if you... He's letting if him you, have it. Martin Harris is a wicked man, and you trusted a wicked man, and what have you done? And if you don't get yourself straightened out, you're going to lose everything, right? Like, yeah, he's very clear. He's very clear. But then what I love is, so just imagine Joseph Smith, like he's in this moment of like serious humility. And repentance and then you have and then the Lord gives a promise where he says but yeah I'm gonna give this back to you if you humble yourself we're gonna still do this I've got a plan B and because because why is the Lord gonna make a plan B and make sure this happens because he made a promise to the Nephite prophets and the Jaredite prophets and uh, you could even include Lamanite prophets like Samuel yeah. the Lamanite yeah. because they were praying for their kids yeah. And the Lord says, I know where those kids are today, and I am going to get this Book of Mormon to them. Yeah. So That's right. 
This is right. This is verse 14 of uh, this is Doctrine and Covenants section 3, verse 14. It says, And this is the reason that thou hast lost thy privileges for a season. For thou hast suffered the counsel of thy director to be trampled upon from the beginning. Nevertheless, <laughs> okay, this is the big, the big switch here. Nevertheless, my work shall go forth. For inasmuch as the knowledge of a Savior has come into the world through the testimony of the Jews, or the Bible, the Bible, even so shall the knowledge of a Savior come unto my people. This is an interesting thing. His people. Okay? And not only to whose people were they? Well, the Lord's people are the always people, the covenant right. people. The covenant the people. The people That's that right. the Lord is making covenant with. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it says, And to the Nephites, and the Jacobites, and the Josephites, and the Zoramites, through the testimony of who? Their fathers. So, so that okay. means... Because what? who are the fathers in the Book of Mormon? Nephi, Captain Moroni, Alma, Helaman, mm -hmm. Lehi, right? So he's saying that those prophets have descendants in the last days. And I think it's interesting how the Lord actually differentiates between Nephites, Jacobites, Josephites, and Zoramites. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes we just lump Nephites and mm -hmm. Lamites, but the Lord actually recognizes those lineages and those bloodlines. Yeah. And he shows that he knew. They had forgotten who they were, and nobody knew who they were, but the Lord hadn't forgotten them. <laughs> right. And Nephite, the word, you're a Nephite, means so mm -hmm. much more than you're a Zoramite. I mean, it means something completely different. If you start looking mm -hmm. at, I mean, Nephite's like a title. You know, I'm, the Nephites mm -hmm. are the covenant people of the Lord, and they include Zoramites, Josephites, and Ishmaelites, or whatever mm -hmm. the groups were. Yeah. Yeah. And verse 18 it says, And this testimony shall come to the knowledge of the Lamanites, and the Lemuelites, and the Ishmaelites, and, who dwelled in unbelief because of the iniquity of their fathers, whom the Lord has suffered to destroy their brethren, the Nephites, because of their iniquities and their abominations. And then this is where he gets into the purpose of the Book of Mormon. He says, and, and for this very purpose are these plates preserved. The reason why these plates were preserved all the way down through the ages, okay, is he's going to tell us right here what it is. He says, which contain these records, that the promises of the Lord may be fulfilled, which he has made to his people, and that the Lamanites might come to the knowledge of their fathers, that they might know the promises of the Lord, and that they may believe the gospel and rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ and be glorified through faith in his name, and that through their repentance they might be saved. Amen. So what was the reason why the plates were preserved? So these prophecies and these promises that are contained within this sacred record could be made known in the latter days, and that those who are descendants of the Nephites, as well as the descendants of the Lamites, because they're all part of the house of Jacob, the house of Israel, um, so that th those, that information, those promises made to them, so it's basically, it's all the covenant people. And we're gonna talk about that as far as the fullness of the gospel here in just a couple of minutes. But, uh, but basically, so, uh, so this is one of the main purposes of the Book of Mormon, not only to testify of Jesus Christ, but also, to have these prophecies and promises made known in the latter days so that the covenant people can basically learn who they are and come back to this covenant. Let me, let me take one second just to point yes. out, there's two big ands that we kind of skipped over and they're, they're huge. One of them is the beginning of verse 18. It says, and this testimony. Yeah. So, so in verse 17, the Lord is saying that that this record, this Book of Mormon, is going to go to Latter-day Nephites. And then in verse 18, and those Nephites are the descendants 
of the Nephite prophets who wrote the Book of Mormon. It's very clear in there. Then in verse 18, there's this big and. And this testimony or this Book of Mormon is also going to go to the Lamanites in the last days. And the Lamanites are those people who, who abandoned the faith, rejected, whether they were Nephites and assimilated with the Lamanites or whoever they were. Unbelievers. They were the ones who rejected the covenant and became Lamanites. And both of them are so important. Mm -hmm. and, we, and all the Nephite prophets all the way through are praying for their descendants in the last days. And they're also praying for the descendants of their brethren. Jacob calls them my beloved brethren. He goes, I'm praying for my descendants in the latter days that are going to have the Book of Mormon. And I'm also praying for the descendants of my beloved brethren. And that's how we should be looking upon everyone, but especially, you know, Nephites looking to Lamanites. And down at the end there, one big more and in 19, it says the plates were preserved to come to his people. Those are the covenant people. Those are the ones who have the covenant. But it's mm -hmm. also and to the Lamanites, that they can have the gospel as well. So those ands are not, you can't just, every, every word in scripture that the Lord said is so important. That's something to really learn. And every, those ands mean a lot. That just, that just touched me deeply, how you emphasize that. Go ahead, David. I was going to say that uh, all of this relates to, and I have it in the introductory material in the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon, is that really we have two um, groups that were divided, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom. And so, of course, uh, Lehi's family were living in the southern kingdom, but they were actually from the house of Joseph. We have uh, Manasseh from Lehi, and then we have Ishmael's family from, uh, from uh, uh, Ephraim. And so when we talk about the uh, stick of Judah and the stick of Ephraim, we're talking about those two large groups of people that will have those records. So we have the Bible, which is the, the, uh, the tribe of Judah, which were living in Jer Jerusalem. And then we have uh, Lehi's family, which was being uh, uh, merged with Ishmael's family, which were both from the house of Joseph. So the Lord is concerned about the covenant that was made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that eventually went to Joseph where his fruitful bowel would go over the wall and then of course Judah being in Jerusalem so they were scattered uh, the, uh, the house of Joseph eventually became scattered when the when the destruction came in in the hill Cumorah but the Lord's covenant that he gave to Abraham that was transferred to his son Isaac and to his grandson Jacob which became Israel this is why we're seeing these uh, these phrases is that all of those are from that family and those covenant blessings are going to be there yeah. and that this record the book of mormon is another testimony of that blessing those covenants and what the house of israel comprises and why it is so important that that branch from the house of israel has to have that knowledge give, given to them so it's jst genesis is it 48 I think it's JST Genesis 48. Um, David, if you look up JST Genesis 48, it talks about how Joseph had children after Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh were adopted by 
Jacob. Jacob. So they were included in the house of Israel. So if you were a descendant of Ephraim, you were included in the house of Israel, right? And you see that in, um, in ancient Israel. Well, he says in there, he says, all of your children that you have after Ephraim and Manasseh will be your children. Joseph's and then, children. And, and those be, children are greater and have a greater blessing than Ephraim and Manasseh. And, that's and a greater blessing, like yes, a greater wow. blessing than the house of Israel. And so he says the vision this is that a big deal. Joseph yeah. had wow. where he saw, right, he saw his father and his mother bow down to him and then he saw all of his brothers bow down to him. Jacob says that will happen one day through the Joseph line that all of Israel will bow down to well, Joseph. That and so, say something about so Joseph notice, translating, retranslating that? Right. Because it's that yeah. important. Right, because it's about him and it's about yeah. his. So this is all on the so brass plates that we don't have. You'll too. notice Captain Moroni, when he gets up, he says, we are a remnant of Joseph. Joseph, not Ephraim. And he true. says, and because of that covenant. And so true. then this is the other thing. <laughs> in JST, this will clear up the Ephraim Manasseh thing because in the Book of Mormon, it does say that Lehi was a descendant of Manasseh, right? Right, right. So, right. Um, what where if you look in JST Genesis 48 Lehi says all of those Josephites wouldn't be their own separate tribe they would just be kind of labeled and accounted for under Ephraim and Manasseh in Israel in Israel but they have still so, have the greater blessing yeah because Moroni says that I'm a direct son of the Lehi who was of Manasseh right yeah so he probably had they, Manasseh blood and Joseph blood or maybe all of his the, Joseph blood was numbered under well Manasseh. no the blessing is of Joseph though not of Manasseh otherwise I this is a big discussion yeah, but Manasseh awesome, yeah. does not is not the birthright son it's Ephraim that's right that's so then right. why so, but are Lehi's blessings are greater than than Ephraim you mean Joseph's I mean Lehi Lehi's blessings and Nephi's blessings are greater than Ephraim's blessings. And Joseph's blessings are greater. And this is a big because discussion. Because of the combined of them. And they, they each separately got land in Israel. But together, this is the land but of Joseph. This the is the land of Joseph, Joseph not of Ephraim and right. Manasseh. That's right. And Brigham Young actually yeah, points sense. this out. And it's a big deal. Yeah. We have Ephraimites here, too. But Joe, the blessing of Joseph, you even see this in section 113 of the Doctrine and Covenants with Joseph. Yeah, that's wow. it. All right, not tonight. Wow. Wow. Another time. Okay, so, um, so one of the next things I wanted to talk about is that, you know, uh, for those of us who have been members of the faith for many, even many generations and so forth, um, one of the important aspects of the Book of Mormon is to, to come to a knowledge of its truthfulness, right? And, uh, and, and so uh, we all know about the, the Moroni's promise you know, and, and Moroni, you know, chapter ten, verses, you know, you know, five, four, five, and six, and so forth. But, but I just wanted to, to uh, read. This is this has become a really important part of this whole process about what we're doing, because is the goal really for those of us who have been members of the church? Is the goal to know that this book is true, or is it to know the truths that are in this book? <laughs> okay. That's a big difference. And uh, and so I want to point this out. So it says, and when ye shall receive these things. I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I think that, do you think that that sound, it kind of sounds like he's talking about that he'll tell you that this book is true. But when he says it, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of what? 
things. All things. So knowing that the Book of Mormon, that this book is true, is important. And it's a first step. Right. But that is not the goal. The goal is in, 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 in verse 5 there, it says that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all the things that are in this book. And the brethren say, immerse yourself in the That's Book right. of Mormon. A difference between believing in Christ or believing Christ. It's kind of like that with the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. I believe it's true or I, I want to know everything in there. I want to know every bit of it's true, every which way. And Well, even better know. than believing Christ is to know Christ, to know. right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing to believe him. There's another That's thing right. to believe he's there, right. but to right. know who he is. Yeah, because yeah. Satan believes. There's exactly. another phrase, too, that's a New Testament phrase, and that is, when thou art converted... Uh, so you can have a testimony of something, but you're not converted to it. And yeah. so we have we can we can believe and we can we know that it's true, but are you actually converted to that truth? Yeah. Can I just throw on one thing? I think the key to that conversion is living it. So you can't just study it, right? It's not an intellectual thing. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than any of us here in this room, right? <laughs> they could stand up and they could quote you Isaiah, the entire book of Isaiah memorized, right? And yet when they had Jesus Christ right in front of them, they didn't even recognize him and they put him to death. So it's not about just knowing, can I name every Book of Mormon prophet or do I know all the stories? It's not about that. It's about, do you know the truths? Do you have a testimony of the truths and do you live them? And that's what I, what I love about the Book of Mormon is it's not just about what we think of as like, doctrinal like churchy things right if there i think there's there's solutions for helping rebellious teenagers there's political Absolutely. answers there's economic answers there's solutions for how to help a struggling church non-members warfare um class warfare like everything you can think of that's like mm -hmm. on everybody's mind like what am i going to do with my teen that's struggling what am i going to do with my failing marriage that's in the Book of Mormon, and not just in the Book of Mormon like in some vague way, but it's specifically in the Book of Mormon. So if we right. can actually find those truths, gain a testimony of them, and live them, then I think we could revolutionize the world. I know we to, could. That has to come from us personally. We have right. to personally get that, or through our family. That's why mm -hmm. the brethren right. want us to be part of the family, because right. these truths, mm -hmm. if you really study it, it's every day how you live, what you mm -hmm. say, what you do, where you go what you let your kids to watch and not watch. It's mm -hmm. everything encompassed in that. So you've got to immerse yourself to learn what this is all about because it's yeah. good stuff. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah. It is. One of, the other, one of the other purposes that I, that I feel really strongly about as well is that uh, if um, the Lord went through all the effort to have Mormon, and, and, and like I said before, he actually showed him our day. I mean, right. you know, Mormon testifies... Jesus Christ has shown you unto me, and I know you're doing, right? Yeah, that's more when I, yeah. but the same. Yes. That's Mormon, yes. Yeah. Exactly, but, the, but the, that whole thing. So I think one of the big purposes of the Book of Mormon is to warn a very specific Latter-day nation that is that to not go down this, this road to apostasy and forget about this covenant path. And forget about this us. covenance and so forth. We're perfect. <laughs> that's totally not us. I don't know who he's talking about. But. But yeah, yeah, exactly. No, actually, that's us. It's not because we're better than anybody. It's because we are living on the covenant land. And so we've got to know so that we yeah. can be instruments to help him. And the accountability of us to the Lord is far different 
then if if I'm accountable to the Lord for if I don't share the gospel with somebody and help right. them, I'm more accountable than if that wasn't a covenant that I had made and didn't share it. It's a big, mm-hmm. not a burden, but it's a big what? Well, it's a blessing, it's a but it's also thing. the corresponding right. responsibility. Exactly. So whatever nation it is that is this covenant nation and the covenant people, that because of this covenant, it doesn't make them any better of a person or any better of a nation. It means that there are specific um, things that they are to do, that they, right. goals that they are to accomplish. God needs them to do this specific work, mm-hmm. and he's going to enable them to do that by giving them blessings. So there's specific blessings that are also part of this covenant. But, this, uh, but when it comes down to it, we need to know what nation it is that they were trying to warn against because they talked about, and they gave all these prophecies and promises about this particular nation being a mighty Gentile nation above all other nations. They said it would be a land of prosperity and security. The new Jerusalem's gonna be built there. The, the, uh, the marvelous work and a wonder was gonna occur there in this particular nation. And because Mormon was shown our day and by, by Christ, he knew that if this particular nation didn't succeed, that it was gonna basically affect every aspect of God's plan here on this earth because this nation has a very specific duty and responsibility to take the gospel to all of God's other children, which is the whole purpose of this national covenant. We're going to talk about that in a a future uh, episode here. And I think the world knows that. I think the world knows the critical nature of this kingdom of God surviving and succeeding to touch the lives of so many others. And if not, we might all be gone. And, and to take this from words down to a picture, so so we've talked a lot about the Hill Cumorah, right? Yeah. And so the Hill Cumorah for the Jaredites was the Hill Rama. And the, and the Hill Rama was where the Jaredite civilization ended, right? Yeah. And so then, fast forward, blah, 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 blah. you know, we have these <laughs> plates that Mosiah translates of the Jaredites and he says, man, this is a warning to the Nephites. There's these gold plates. They're this warning to the Nephites that they better repent. Otherwise they will end just like the Jaredites. And then I we'll, think a lot of people forget that the Nephites actually had the Jaredite record. Yeah, they, so had, they had their own Book of Mormon. They had their own Book of Mormon, their own gold plates that actually came forth with the same witnesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the same witnesses. The it, was, it, was a, it was a swords, breastplates and the plates themselves sure. were, the, were the witnesses of that record. So we, they pull this record out. It's saying, don't continue. You need to be righteous. You need to yeah. keep the covenants on the land or you will end just like the Jaredites. And then what happens? <laughs> the Nephite nation, where does it end? It yeah. ends on the hill Cumorah, which is the they hill Rama now. Yes. Just so, but that would never happen to us, right? Because we have this Book of Mormon. We're going to listen to this Book of Mormon. Well, Heber C. Kimball has a prophecy that isn't very fun to read, but he basically says, look, the Jaredite nation ended at the Hill Cumorah. The Nephite nation ended at the Hill Cumorah. And I have seen that our nation, the final battles, will be around the Hill Cumorah area. Interesting. Now, you can now believe what you want to believe. Go, oh, well, that's just their, yeah. no, like, this is real. Like, this is real. <laughs> right. Like, and, and think that's about right. 2020, 200th anniversary of Joseph Smith's vision coming up, and how President Nelson said, 
this will be far different than any other general conference you've ever had. Just think mm -hmm. about the importance of that whole area of New York. You well, know, right. where, 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 where did God the Father himself and Jesus Christ choose to come to his, his latter-day prophet, Joseph Smith? Yeah. The, the, the prophet of this final dispensation. I mean, well, that, that's, that's not just a coincidence that he just happened to be there in Palmyra, New York, where the two previous civilizations, there's actually three, if you think about it, though, because you have Adam and his posterity. That's right. right. You have Adam and Eve and all of their posterity, of and they forgot about that. this covenant sure. with God. The first promised land was actually named after Adam's great-grandson right there in, you know, by the name Moses of Canaan. Moses 6, 6, uh, 17. Yeah, but anyway, so so bottom line is, so this was this has always been a promised land from the very beginning, from when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. This was a promised land, and then they forgot about this covenant, and then they got swept off the land by the flood of Noah. Okay, which by the way was a worldwide flood. We won't go into all that right now, but it, right. it's not it's not just figurative, and it wasn't just you know maybe a local flood. It was a worldwide flood because it says in the Book of Mormon when the flood waters receded from off the face of this land, it was wiped clean in the flood, and then the Jaredites were the first ones that come back over to this land. And it was called it deemed a promised land after. And it was the a promised land to the Jaredites. Ether twelve or became again a promised land. It's right, right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that's been interesting because now we have one, two, three. We have three different witnesses that we get in this dispensation that no other dispensation had, which makes us even more culpable when we ignore that. But what I, what I love about the Book of Mormon, one of the, my favorite parts is actually when you know, Captain Moroni, you know, and he gets out because what's he doing? He's reminding the people of the culture of this covenant with God. And the interesting thing is, I think that that is how Captain Moroni sparked them to stand up to save their constitution, right? We have so many different groups that want to save the constitution, whether it's like, oh, maybe we study this book or go read this, or maybe I get a degree in this, or I go rally mm -hmm. at the Capitol. Well, let's look in the Book of Mormon. How did they save their yeah. constitution? That's the same way. And one righteous leader who basically waved the flag of he wasn't too popular. The, the title of liberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that brings and, uh, That really does. And, and, and it, it's interesting how one, one righteous leader can change the course of a nation yeah. really quickly, but also how fast one unrighteous leader can lead people down to destruction very, very quickly. And you can take a look the, at uh, example. The reasons why King yeah. Mosiah, when he was reading the record, he was the king of the... Uh, that society, but he recognized that an unrighteous king uh, could destroy a whole uh, civilization. So that's why he transferred over to chief judges. Right. And, uh, and so I think that the Stoddards have done an excellent job of uh, elucidating all of those principles. Exactly. All right. So a couple quick things we got to get through this. Um, so um, so we want to one of the other purposes of the Book of Mormon is to remind the covenant people of their covenant blessings, but also the covenant responsibilities. And also, it's a, it's, a, it's a very stark warning of what happens when a nation who has been so blessed by God to receive all of these covenant blessings, you know, the land, prosperity, posterity, security, and all those kinds of things. What happens when they turn their backs against God? These things are inevitable. They, God will not be mocked. He is not going to 
uh, say, well, I, I, I did it for Adam and his posterity, and I did it for the Jaredites and their posterity, and I did but it for the Nephites. But we're special, but and we're special. it's not going to happen to us because, hey, we're, we're, we're the Latter-day people. We're God's chosen people. It has to happen. Yeah. That's part so, of the blessing. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think we have to study this Book of Mor the Book of Mormon in this specific way because I know that when we were working on uh, the Book of Mormon Parallels model, and let's see... Do we have the Covenant on the Land video? Yeah, so the, the Covenant on the Land video. Yeah. So I was 16, 17, and we released it when I had just turned 18. So that's the period like when I when we were producing yeah. that documentary. And, and so it was really, really important for me because I was seeing the Book of Mormon in a real way. Like I had already gone through the Book of Mormon for seminary, and I had already read it. I read it before I got, was baptized. Like I had already done all that. But I got to see it real. I got to see why does this yes. have to do with me and I don't want to hear like oh it's just going to help me get through a hard day and make me feel good like I gotta see like how is this going to change how I look at the news like when I get on the yeah, news and absolutely. I see what's going on or I go to the polls or like I want to see specifically what the Book of Mormon has to say about that no more generals and so I know for me um, then when we did the second video four day divinely sanctioned governments I was the kid that I was like the last thing I would do is go into politics. <laughs> I was just like, that's so boring. Because I'd hear all these people going up, like posting their pictures or like picketing at the Capitol. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, there are so many like causes. Like, how about saving the family and movies? And I was really passionate about the pro-life movement. I was like, this whole constitution thing, like getting together and studying the electoral college, like, yeah. Why? Really why boring. do we even have? A, why is there electoral college? Were they? Were they? Were they just right? Like, were like, they just and dumb who, or whatever? And like, who no. cares? And like, who, who I don't care how many yeah. senators we have or whatever. And so then um, we were we yeah. started working on the divinely sanctioned governments yeah, video, awesome. and um, and and I was like, oh, okay, this is just not my thing, right? And I had a group in a house where my dad was the one always leading the Fourth uh, of July breakfast I, and talking <laughs> about the George Washington stories. I, so I grew up in a really, really patriotic home. Right, we bleed red, white, yes. and blue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but 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 what I'm trying to say is there was a disconnect for me as a teen, saying, "What does this have to do with?" me as a Christian and the, those things that I was passionate about. Yeah. So we're working on the video on the violating sanctioned governments. I get to Captain Moroni's account and he talks about how all of the liberals in the Nephites day, right? They, they, they poo pooed that movement because they were like, oh, that's the Christians cause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all those wacko Christians out there waving their title of liberty yeah. and talking about yeah. liberty, right? And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, they didn't say a liberty cause, they didn't say a freedom cause, they didn't say a pol political cause, they said the cause of the Christians. Cause of Christians. So I was like, yeah, wait right. a minute. And then and then Captain Ronnie gets up and he says, you have a responsibility to do this because you are a member of the House of Israel and you're, and he was talking to the Nephites. He said, we're Josephites. So I was like, wait, okay, what does this have to do with me as an Israelite? And what does this have to do? And that just completely turned me in a period of six months from being apathetic to being like, I'm bleeding red, white, and blue. I'm saving the Constitution, and we're doing this tomorrow, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't care about all these yeah. adults that say we're going to do it in 50 years. We're doing this tomorrow, okay? And, just, and who can I That was just three years ago, right? Because you're, what, 19? Yeah, yeah so, it was, it was, so it was like, it was six months after I turned 18. <laughs> Not that young, right? <laughs> I know I like that. No, just kidding. So, uh, but the point was that 
people people are always coming to me all the time like how do I help my youth like and, and reading all of these books like I laugh when people are like I'm reading this book by this expert and this doctor or whatever and, and I'm like it's right here in the Book of Mormon just read the book it's of Mormon. right here in the Book of Mormon yeah. we just got to use it for real we got to treat it like it's real yeah well, that, that's one thing I think is just absolutely fascinating as well this is, this is a little side note here and that is that you know the, the, the Book of Mormon study that we do within the church, you know, as far as the gospel doctrine classes and so forth, comes up every four years. Do you find it interesting that every time the Book of Mormon comes up, it happens to be an election year in the United States of America? <laughs> For the president. For the presidency, yeah, a, a presidential yeah. election year. I wonder why that is, <laughs> you know? And then, and then we have in the Doctrine and Covenants in section 93 and so forth, or 98, that, that talks about the, uh, the Constitution is the law of the land and so forth. And, it, he, and he said, that's my law. He's, he's the one that set it up. And, and yet we have people, even within the church, who think that somehow socialism, somehow, you know, which basically is just the prerequisite to communism, and so forth, that this is somehow a good thing. That somehow this is God's thing. Well, because you don't we're want not. to offend anybody. Hey, look, the Lord is <laughs> going to offend anybody by being the Lord. You know, I mean, live truth it offends all things which are mostly untruths. You well, know? Satan's always going to be offended by God. That's right. <laughs> you know? Did you, um, am I correct in remembering that after you got off your mission, you went through the entire Standard Works with the free, or the Book of Mormon with the freedom? Yeah, the whole Standard Works. Do you, do you want to talk about it? Because I always thought that was an so, interesting, maybe an idea so, for yeah. people that are... So, so that you is, you know, so before my mission... Yeah. I had read, I was with this really, really strange child, so that I spent usually two to four hours a day studying the scriptures when I was going through my teenage years and different things. And so my scriptures were really marked up. And it was very interesting. I, I was marked up and all of those were kind of a preparation for my mission. Mm -hmm. Then I came home and I watched this video by David Barton that was about yeah. America's godly heritage. Wall builders? Right. My mom, I, I stepped off the airplane basically it's the first night. She's like, you should watch this video. So I watched that and the Lord just called me. I felt like he called me on a mission. You have to do this, you know. Yeah. So I reread the whole standard works and I felt like I was on a mission for the for understanding the gospel from a freedom or a liberty perspective. And yeah. it was interesting. You take the... This, the standard works that I had for my mission and you take the quad that I had afterwards and totally different things underline. Yeah, yeah. But all of it's important. And I think that's what we're talking about. You can't just take the 20 scriptures we always hear in church and read them over and over. You gotta use the entire Book yeah. of Mormon, all of it. And look at it from different perspectives as right. well as you go through each yeah. time. I think that's one of the reasons why you know they, they keep saying just reread it, read it. I mean, how many right. times do you have to read a book before you understand it? Well, in the Book yeah. of Mormon case, I don't think you'll ever you really come to a complete it. understanding right. of it, but you can get new information every time every you go day. through if you look at it from a political perspective yeah. or a social perspective or, yeah. you know, I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at that. Can I tell you just one specific story? Yeah. So I had um, a friend of mine who was losing one of her sons. It was a really, really, really sad situation. So I was, um, she was just literally distraught. And losing so emotionally, spiritually. Leaving the church. Spiritually, yeah. And um, in a lot of ways, physically too. So, um, so she, um, we had a conversation one day, and I said, "Well, we're told to apply the Book of Mormon, and in the Book of Mormon, Alma has a son with Corianton who was in a similar situation to my friend's son. He basically 
came home early from a mission, right? So it's a similar situation where you got Corey Antons out on a mission, right? He falls into immorality. He basically kind of sabotages his dad's whole project among the Zoramites. And he comes back home and Alma has a conversation with him. So I said, well, go use that conversation. Like Mormon put it in there for a reason for sons and daughters who are in that situation, go use it. You're the parent, go use it. Be Alma and let him be Corianton. So she went home and she used those chapters exactly. She said, I didn't just pick out a few things. I had the conversation. I almost did word for word. I had Alma's conversation with Corianton. I had that with my son. She said it was a breakthrough. She messaged me that night. She wow. was in tears. <laughs> she was like, that's the best conversation we've ever had for the first time he opened up. And, and that was, and, and that always stuck in my wow. mind because I was like, okay, and there's so many examples. Lehi's conversations with Laman and Lemuel. How yeah. about his conversations with Nephi? What was Nephi like? What if we told our teens, okay, you need to be like Nephi. So go study out every characteristic of Nephi. He's sober. He's, you know, just listen. Yeah. Just use mm -hmm. this. Anyways, that's what this that year's about. the Mormon videos. When you're watching those right. now, you see how Nephi has a radiance all the time. And Laman and Lemuel are just kind of, kind of there. You know, right. you can tell the difference. And you'd say, why don't you just turn to the Lord, Laman and Lemuel? They, they I don't know. It's mm -hmm. just, it seems so plain, but Nephi was so humble mm -hmm. and just so teachable. And that's why he wants us to be like children. Mm -hmm. You know, they're humble, they're teachable. Mm -hmm. So interesting to me to see different friends and, and family members and so forth and see how you know, certain of the children follow the gospel and just how everything just seems to kind of go for them in their life. They, they have, you know, they, they succeed in lots of different areas and, and so forth. And then th those who basically rebelled against the gospel just seemed like they could never really just really make it. I think that's interesting how they, I, I often wonder, why can't they see how the gospel has been the, the main difference between them and their brothers or sisters? Um, and living the gospel basically has all this happiness associated with it. And then all of this just misery and just constant problems and issues and headaches and so forth on the other side. I think the answer to that is in the Book of Mormon, so. Absolutely. So stay tuned. Yeah, in fact, in in fact uh, this is President uh, Russell M. Nelson and his, uh, his talk that he gave in October conference of 2017. He said, the Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ. It's major writers and his translator were all eyewitnesses to the Lord. He said, the Book of Mormon affirms the individual identity of Heavenly Father and His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The Book of Mormon refutes notions that revelation ended with the Bible. Infants need to be baptized and happiness can be found in wickedness, etc. The Book of Mormon fulfills biblical prophecies. The Book of Mormon declares, understand, or clarifies understanding about our premortal existence. Death is a necessary component of God's great plan of happiness, post-mortal existence, etc. And the Book of Mormon reveals information previously unknown. And it gives a whole bunch of those. So I want to encourage everybody to to uh, just go through again President Nelson's talk there, October of 2017 General Conference Address about the Book of Mormon. And, it's, uh, and that again it's just is Ken awesome. Corbett, well, that, that's, that's picture. friend and art rendering of the prophet, which looks just like him in a picture. <laughs> yeah, it, people look at it and they think it's a, it, it's, an, it's a photograph, but actually it's a painting. It's really awesome. And it's also in the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon. Okay, so... Um, so I have a question for you too. Is yes. the uh, after this discussion, uh, Joseph Smith made some comment about the fact that the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on the uh, that we can read. And what does that really mean? The most correct book. 
Yeah, we're actually going to get into that here in just a couple minutes here. David, that's, that's, oh, but wait, well, we can go ahead and go with that right now if you want to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I was going to say, because all, all of the uh, discussion had to do with how, how the Book of Mormon is so relevant and how it's, it, it's correctly uh, uh, assessing uh, the situations that we have in our day. And uh, if we go to it, like uh, Hannah said to her friend, just go read what um, Alma said to his son, Curiantum, and how it solved that problem and how it, it corrected, in essence, a situation that seemed to be uncorrectable. So when we talk about the book being the most correct book on earth, what does that really mean? Yep. And then also that the, the other statement is that that uh, is actually attributed to Joseph Smith, um, that there was the that a man would get nearer to God by uh, applying precepts. Precepts. the precepts of the Book of Mormon by any other book. So, you know, that's that I think goes right along with what Hannah's been saying here about the uh, about our our using the Book of Mormon in our modern day lives. We, sometimes we think because we have cell phones and so forth that they don't get it. And there's a talk by President we, Nelson you love. He said, brothers and sisters, knowing the Book of Mormon is true is not good enough. Right. You know, remember right. him pounding the pulpit on <laughs> It's not good enough to know. You've got to live it. You've got to read it. You've got to eat, immerse yourself in it. He was so passionate. So let me give you a prompt for instance. So if we take it very seriously, we look in there, every, there's not one problem solved with youth or anything that's through some church program. I mean, people, I've said this at a few conferences, but really the key is every problem is solved through either a father or a mother. And in almost every case, it's the father being a righteous, patriarchal father, mm -hmm. solving the problem. If you take Lehi, the whole thing is, right? Sure. Examples. And then you've got Nephi, what's he being? The, the this leader. amazing, amazing brother, this leader, this to his family, right? And then you've got Jacob, what is he being to Enos, right? Mm -hmm. This really good example, right? And then you go, and on and on, Alma. To Alma the Younger, you know, you know, you've got, you've got, you, 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 well, all the way through, and, and 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 this is this is what I mean. Really, what is our biggest problem right now? Right, we're losing our youth. The like, family, the family is, the is falling apart. When you get the dad, you get them all. Right, you know, the mother is there. She's loyal. She'll take care of it. She'll help. But you got to have everybody together, helping mm -hmm. each other. If you don't, and you divide up the idiots like us guys, and you divide us, knock us <laughs> off, it's easier to get the rest, and it's easier to get us because of our nature, so to speak. And so well, they always go after the, the dad. Well, like, can I just yeah. throw in one thing? It's interesting, there was a man who was a um, Marxist who was converted to be a Christian. He talked about, he did all this research. Then in the early 1900s, there was a specific movement to destroy Christianity, and they had all these meetings, and it's all documented. They said, how are we going to do it? And they finally came down to it. They said, Hollywood. yes, they said, if we can destroy the father, we'll destroy Christianity. Because right now, we try to peddle our message in the schools and the media, and we've got these dads that are That's sitting true. there telling their family, oh, don't listen to them, right? And, and they're mm -hmm. fathers that are worthy of respect. They're not doofuses, right? And so they mm -hmm. said, let's take down the father and if you notice from about the 1920s on even the old black and white movies 
The father yeah. is the dumb the one. Goof the goof we goof have these 19, I think they're 1930s Robin Hood movies, right? And, and seriously, <laughs> in those, you know, Maid Marian, you know, is, is genius and Robin Hood's this doofus. He's a goof, you know? And if, if we model and that goofiness... Well, right. and Berenstain Bears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's all yeah. these books. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the men the are, are the goofs. And I'm, I'm yeah. going to say, like, as well, I know it's not popular to be a righteous man in our culture. If you try to be a man, like the, in the Book of Mormon, you're going to yeah. be ridiculed and you're going to be put down. But we need you. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. more men, men that are like and Lehi and Nephi and Captain Moroni. And that is, I think that's one of the reasons Mormon made such an emphasis. And, you know, I, I remember when I was 16 or I think it might have been 17. Oh, I overheard this conversation. <laughs> the city, I was, I was taking vocal lessons and I, I overheard this conversation with these mothers. They were all sitting around a table and the lady kind of leading the discussion, she said, well, the Book of Mormon's really biased history. So she said, let's take Nephi's account, for example. We're getting Nephi's version of the story. I bet if we got Laman or Lemuel's version of the story, it would be a lot different. <laughs> and there were all the and the, all these women, they were like, yeah, so we better not, like, they were literally saying, oh, so we're not going to trust everything in the Book of Mormon. Let's just kind of take Nephi's perspective, you know, when he's kind of the hero. Let's just remember <laughs> the victors write the history, and he's kind of writing his own. And, and so that's what I think of when I read that account where the Lord's like, like, no, this is the most correct book. In other words, this portrayal of history is real. This is yeah. what really happened. This is how the Lord sees it. And if we can look in there and take it as real history and say, okay, these men were real. This isn't just, oh, they're right. they're kind of blow, ex exploding these heroes and exaggerating their qualities. No, there were really men of character like that. And we can have men of character like and that And remember, today. in our political politically correct world, we're not saying the men are better than any of the women. The women are the ones that lead out in most homes. I remember when I was an elders quorum president, we had all of these less active guys out there. And we had a lot of really, good. really wonderful women, mm -hmm. you know, being in a singles ward. And it's like, wow, look at all these wonderful women that love the Lord and all these men that are kind of like, eating Cheetos on the couch, watching football, you know, doing I think Satan's anything. done a really good job yeah. and we need to turn that yeah. around. Because <laughs> so, yeah. what I hear from the women's side is they, they don't really like that. Yeah. That's not really a plus. Well, that's it, not it, necessary. If, if, if you that's not how it at, is in the Book of Mormon. Wow. You know, even like the, uh, the all the different social things that, you know, that, that young men and young women are supposed mm -hmm. to be kind of doing. I mean, look at how, how like the gaming industry has targeted who yes. specifically. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's combat stuff, you know, that's kind of been in the, in the, in the guy genre for a long time, yeah. you know, aggressing and, and, and killing and that kind of stuff, you know, and, uh, and then they'd spend hours and hours and hours mm -hmm. doing this. And I, I have so many, I've heard of so many different people who have uh, just newly married and, and, and the, the wife is going, he right. doesn't, I mean, he might go to work, mm -hmm. but basically he just wants to play games all day. And it's just yeah. a sad situation that that's going on here. But listen, we got we got we got to move on here. We're and the goal is too, too the good long. news is the Book of Mormon has the solutions. That's right. So yeah. everybody yeah. loves to talk about problems, problems in our day, right? <laughs> go just check the news. Go check Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> go even check private groups. I'm always yeah. like, why are we always just talking about the problems, yeah. right? The point is the Book of Mormon has the problems and it has the, the answers. The answers to it. The yeah. solutions. Yes, that's exactly right.